Can you remember a time when you thought someone you disagreed with might actually be right? In the new podcast, You Might Be Right, former Tennessee governors Bill Haslam and Phil Bredesen pose that question to guests like Paul Ryan, Al Gore, and Judy Woodruff. Come for the stories, stay for the substance and expert insights into some of the most challenging issues facing the country, including affordable housing, crime, and education. Listen to You Might Be Right, a new podcast from the Baker School at the University of Tennessee, available wherever you get your podcasts. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every basket, every game, every point, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a three-pointer at the buzzer to tie the game or a player that goes two for two at the foul line. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only. Must be present in Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. Just a quick warning. You're going to hear a lot of those words on the show, so you might want to get the kids out of the room. No kids in the room during this, please. Hey, it's Jim Norton and Matt Sarah. Check out today's show. We totally blow Game of Thrones if you haven't seen it. Talk to Mike Judge and Daniel Cormier. It's such a good time. UFC and Digital Media present UFC Unfiltered with Jim Norton and Matt Sarah, powered by Digital Media. Find your voice. And now, your hosts, Jim Norton and Matt Sarah. Hi, Jim. Hi, Matt. <laughs> I don't even know how long to let the music play. I was just telling Jimmy, I'm like, because he just walks in and he's eating his fruit and we... we I'm kind of being quiet because I'm like, I want to ask about his weekend. I want to ask, I want to ask you about how you, you fucking you had a roast and this and that. But yet I want to save it all fresh for the air. So I just see you kind of being antisocial. But I, I'm like, dude, I'm not trying to be rude. You know better than me, isn't that the? Way That's to go? always better, right? What you're saying now, this is, the is best fresh. Way. This is good. I didn't see you over the weekend. We didn't talk. I missed you. I know I that's weird. You was terrible. It's so strange. And now we're here. We have a lot of shit to talk about. I know we're going to be doing a phone call soon, which I'm really, really, really excited about. Yeah, yeah it's always better to do on the air. Always better to just to chat. You, there's nothing worse than having a chat and then redoing it. Oh, like, no, it's not on fucking, the radio. It's not fucking. So you were saying, and then repeating punchlines, and it's like that everybody in the studio is like, ah. <laughs> and I apologize because I know you got a bladder like mine, so I knew you were. Not running late. You probably I get here like an hour early because I have ADD and if we're going to be talking to people, I like to watch fights and get in the zone. So I I was holding in my number two, and uh, and I just fucking couldn't do it. So then I you just went in there and go oh, I got to pee when you got in. And you fucking I hope I hope it was all right, man. I didn't even notice. All right, good. To good. be honest, then we're off with to a you. great start today. No, I, I was actually running early today because normally I go to the gym <laughs> right after ra- morning radio and then I come right here. So I actually brought my lunch with me, which is my chicken. And this this I'm is a right beet thing. juice with oh, that uh, fucking beet elite. I love it. Beet yes, elite. I get here early and like I don't know everybody yet. And Chris wasn't here. Not that he was tardy. I just get here real early, so I buzz to come up, and I go to the right where that's little. It's the little little lounge area. There's a couch and and I know Brittany, but she's kind of in her office. So I felt like that kid in the fucking lunchroom who didn't know where to sit. Where I had my headphones on, I had them off, so I'm a little sweaty because I just came off the subway. I'm running around. I didn't know where to fucking sit. It was kind of awkward and nobody's talking to me. And there was like, should I just sit down on the couch next to this guy? He's one, I don't know if he's an intern. I don't know these people. I mean, they're nice. Everybody's nice, but everybody's in a conversation and 
I don't know. I kind of just fucking lingered and made like I'm looking at my phone and I fucking went in the back room like a stranger. Are you so, I'm a, at times socially uncomfortable. Isn't it funny? And I say this about like the, how we did the, the similar, 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 similar. Okay, we'll similar, fix that in post. Dude, get rid of this fucking thing. Sim, sim, help me out those I'm sim, not helping sim, you. No, you motherfucker. How can you? No. It's like how watching sim, somebody lose your erection. It's what you see. Similarity. Cool, that's wrong. It is right. It's so 100% wrong. wrong. You can just, you Could just, you say it right for me? Am I sure? Right after you're done. Just, just go ahead. Suck. Come on. The, the, listen, the things that are similar between comedians and fighters. Similarity. I'll just say it like that. Thank you very much for letting me fucking torture and turn red you said, si- you said similarity. Fucking Chris, let us talk. Stop yes. pointing at your fucking watch, Chris, the producer. Fucking pointing to the watch and we're talking about we're talking about actually nothing right now. No, but I want to hear your fucking, similarity. Oh, yeah, man. How fucking sometimes you could be more comfortable talking in front of many people or in my case fighting in front of many people then one on one or two on one situations don't get weird with that but you know what i'm saying like just now this morning why can't i just go in there and be like hi everybody it's fucking weird i don't know but sometimes i feel like i'm filled <laughs> with a justifiable shame <laughs> Working out, I'm talking to my trainer about sushi, and I go, yeah, you know, Sundays are probably not the best night to eat sushi, you know, because they can't go to the fish market that day. And then a guy just next to us goes, that's all in your head. I'm like, what? <laughs> Who are you? <laughs> He's just he alpha males me in the conversation. Fuck it. That's all in your head. You know, you know, that's the fish sits there for two or three days anyway. I'm like, yeah, but the best place is they say that they go to the fish market. Yeah, you're not even talking to that guy. I, no, but he, Ali totally. Yeah. And then, I, but now I, he might even be right. Yeah. He's like, hey, I'm in the business. Don't worry about it. You no, know, it's all no, in your he, head. He might be 100 right. They were talking about so I want to kind of chime in, but I don't know anybody well enough for that. All right, look, I know we just started and we got a lot of shit to talk about, but we have very limited time with uh daniel cormier so you want to just go to his call real quick let's talk to the champ on the phone daniel cormier what's up buddy what's up boys how you guys what's doing? up champ very good now are you taking time out of your training schedule right now like what were you doing right before we called you uh honestly i was watching the bt awards <laughs> <laughs> you got me i was in here singing purple rain prince was on i was in here singing watching the tribute to prince purple rain can you sing Nah. You know, I used to have delusions of being able to sing. I used to sing in the church choir my whole life, but as I've gotten older, and uh, Selena has told me on a number of occasions, I'm not as good a singer as I once thought I was. Well, what did you do in the church choir? Like, did you have a particular role, or did everybody just kind of belt it out together? Let me tell you something. A lot of times, we made attempts at singing. I'm not exactly sure what you would call it. I had a couple solos. I would sing... uh, Oh, Happy Day. I had a couple solo songs that I would sing. Uh, I would look directly into the microphone because I was so terrified of actually standing in front of the church singing that I would look into the microphone and I would strain my eyes on the microphone so much it would start to fuzz up. But yeah, that's how I got through my solos every Sunday. My mom did not let me stop singing in the church choir until I left for college. So what was the song? Now, what was one of the songs you would do solo? And would you do part of it solo or the entire thing solo? I would sing Oh Happy Day, and I would sing the entire song. How does that oh, go? the choir would sing the song. How does that go? Nah, you're not going to get me. <laughs> how, old, how old were you? Wow. How old were this you singing that, for, DC? This went on from when I was in the children's choir at like seven, six, until I left for college at 18. When I, left, when I went to college, I was, uh, one of, I was one of the top five recruits in the country in wrestling, all-state football player, scholarship offers out the Wahoo, so you think that's, you know, I'd be running around hanging out, but every Tuesday night I was at choir rehearsals, 
confirmation classes. You're a badass oh, choir boy, is what you are. I was a badass choir boy. <laughs> let me tell you that much. They're not messing with that choir boy. I'll tell you right no. now. No, no, no. <laughs> Listen, buddy. I was just, I, you know, just this morning. You know, I get here early to the studio, and I just rewatched your first fight with uh, with John Jones. And uh, I'll tell you, uh, the first three rounds, very, very competitive, very close. And then mm-hmm. somehow in that fourth round, that's where it's the uh, the momentum started to, to go into uh, Jones's favor. Um, yeah. What, I mean, as listen, I mean, you could there's a million things you could chalk up. You're the guy that was in there. The one thing I do notice after those first three rounds, if you don't mind me saying, is I mean, they're they're really close. They're, those rounds are close. And one of the things I did notice was like the positive body language by um, by Jones. Every time he got up, he put his hands up. And you didn't look depressed. Maybe you're focused, whatever it is. But, you know, judges, sometimes we give them too much credit. And that could influence them. That could, They could be like, that was close. Oh, this guy looks confident. I mean, I mean listen, as a competitor, as long as you've been competing, I'm sure you know this. But did, that, did you ever think about that? Or You know what, Matt? Whenever the fight was going on, and you're right, I would walk back to the corner. And after every round, regardless of the circumstance, he would get up. He would throw his hands up. And he would make it seem as though he won the round. Even at the end of the third round, which I thought was fairly competitive, and uh, then he all, like kind of pulled guard. And exactly. I, up on top. I was like, man, you know, just that action, because the round was close, I said just that action could give me the round. But then when you look at us going back to the corner, I'm just walking there while he's celebrating, even though he just got off of his back. Exactly. So and, you know, it's like he played to the judges a lot more than I did. Does that work with judges, though, as a non-fighter? Does that work with judges? I think I think a lot of his perception. You know, when I fought Alexander Gustafson, you saw his coaches, they, they physically lifted his hands up to make him kind of play to the cross, so we made sure we did the same thing. These fights are so important and so close that you have to be, you have to be doing everything. But you're right, every round, he, even in the second round when I thought I had my best round, he went to the corner as if he had just won the round, which in reality, that wasn't the case. Yeah, it's a very smart thing to do. And, and you know, myself and Longo, we tell, we tell our fighters all the time to do that because as a fighter, I know personally, I'm the type of guy that goes back to each round and I could be thinking, about, I could have a great round, but there's a couple of things I did wrong or one thing, maybe I got hit once and it's way worse in my mind than it was for people to be looking at. And, and, and I, and I, and you know, I fell victim to the same thing. I'd walk back kind of like, God, oh, man, fuck, I should have done better with that. And, and instead of putting my arms up and playing that game a little bit, cause again, man, they got short memory spans. That guy Jones on the third round jumped to guard and you ended up throwing some bombs at him and whether it landed or not, that's what they could have in their head. So I, that just really stuck out in my head. And another thing that really like it with the wrestling, the different, I mean, you, you're such a phenomenal wrestler, but the one thing all your years of wrestling could not change for anybody is you cannot escape your hips. Obviously when you're against that cage and with those, he's got those long ass arms, you know, the deal you've been there. If you're able to grab your hand under your opponent's ass, grab your clasp your hands, nine out of 10 times that guy's going down, you know? So, well, now, but now, but now, Matt, it becomes, it doesn't become defend the takedown anymore. It becomes, how do I get back to my feet? A hundred percent. You're right. A guy that, that's, that's long as John is, he gets his hands clasped behind your, your, uh, your, your legs or your butt, and you're pressed against the fence. Now it's, it becomes, how do I get back to my feet? Because he's going to probably secure the takedown. Yeah, and he's, so it, yeah, it's, good. it's a matter of, it's a matter of, of, of what you want to do next. My whole thing is this. Once he took me down... I was instantly like, just get back up, take no damage, you know. And then, but honestly, you know, a lot of that stuff is with me because 
of my reputation as a wrestler, when I get taken down, it's almost like I lose the round. Just because I think with judging, they're like, wow, you know, he's taking him down, he's winning, you know, so it was different. But yeah, it become for me it becomes how do I get how do I get back to my feet without taking any damage? And uh, I thought I did a great job of that in the fourth round. But you're right, that's where the momentum changed. And you know, man, it was a credit to John because he did a good job in those first three rounds because even though we were going close, I was hitting him in the head, but he was hitting me in the body. And he was wearing me down as the fight was progressing. And I got tired. You know, the fourth round, I actually was like, you know what? I'm going to take this round. I'm going to rest. I'm going to try to win the fifth. Because in my mind, I was thinking, you know, these, these, these two rounds were fairly close. You know, you never know how it scored. If I could win the fifth, maybe I win the fight. But you know what? He he took that momentum and he kept going. It was his, uh, he has championship medal. He has a championship mindset. Let him stay the course. I can't take a break. You know, I can't take a break, Matt. I, there's no round for me to go resting in this next fight. I'm going to fight him for, for 25 minutes hard if I have to. Were, were his punches hurting you at all? No, they didn't hurt. The What hurt was, honestly, a couple body punches hurt because in the first round, if you notice, I was pressing him so hard going forward on a straight line that once he timed a beautiful like left knee as I was coming in, just standing, drove the left knee into my side, it, like, shifted one of my ribs up. So every time he would hit me in the body, I felt this jolt of lightning go down my hold, up my up my right side, down to my leg. So it was like every time he touched me on that side, it was painful. You know, but obviously you got to just keep fighting, you know. But I felt one of his biggest shots that he landed was uh, after the in the third round after uh, we had the break. He, like, kind of poked me in the eye. He kicked me with a massive body shot. And if you play video games, you know how the power bar kind of oh. goes down. That's what I felt after that body shot. I was like, ah, that one was, that was a big one. You know, that was a big shot. But just keep pressing, keep pressing, keep pressing. Get through that. We'll get through this one and let's see what happens going forward. And I know that, uh, and I fought before uh, on cards when I had teammates fighting, sometimes one, sometimes two, on the same card. So I know uh, on the same card you have Cain Velasquez as your buddy and one of your main mm-hmm. training partners uh, facing Travis Brown. I mean, getting ready for a fight, personally, I loved it. I love when guys, my buddies, are getting ready for fights and my buddy Pete Drago Self fought on the same card a number of times and, and it kind of like pushes us and we feel like we're in just in, in just getting ready for battle together. And is that is that, I know you guys are a tight group over there at AKA. Is the same type of feeling? Oh yeah, 100%. I would actually, you know, some guys like Anthony Pettis and his brother, they said they don't generally like to fight together. Yes, I heard uh, that. For me, it's different. For me and Kane, we want to fight together because then it puts us in the training camp and uh, together we do everything around the same time. And also, you know what, man? It motivates you to compete better. And we have very, we have a lot of confidence in each other. So we have no doubt that we're both going to get our hands raised. So there's no need to worry. Nobody pushes me like him. I didn't have that the first fight between John and I either. Oh, that's interesting. uh, That's very interesting. He was hurt. Kane was hurt last time. And uh, we didn't we didn't get to train together at whole training camp, you know. So I had great training partners. Wow. I had Rockhold, and I had other guys, you know, people that certain guys would die for to have in their training camp. But nobody can really push me like Velasquez can push that, me. That is, and still kick my ass to this day. You know, he still he still beats me up to this day. So well, just in the gym every day, getting beat on, not always being the alpha male, not always. Winning, dealing with adversity on a day-to-day basis and in, in, in every facet of my game. You know, it's not like I can just out-wrestle Velasquez every time I want. It's not like I can just out-strike him, out-grapple him. There are times that I am just getting beat, 
and having days where he just he just you know he wins every every facet of the game, and I think that's very important. I think that's actually uh, that that that's huge. I did, I did, I was not I did not know that he, you guys didn't train. You were you know he was out of uh, commission when you guys were getting ready for uh, your first fight with Jones. I think that's huge. That's that's actually really huge. And uh, yeah, speaking, it's a big deal for me. Yeah, no, that, that forget about it. It's invaluable. And also, um, your buddy, uh, I was there live for the Bisping and, and Luke Rockhold fight, and uh, and you know I know what. Listen, you you know you were there also when uh, when Luke beat my you know my guy Chris Weidman and. And it's such, and you know, when you're tight with these guys, and, and again, I sense the similar, you know, type of uh, family uh, closeness that, that at AKA, like we have at my gym and Longo's gym. And uh, it, it just, dude, it just hurts your soul when you see a buddy of yours lose like that. And, and that could also add some, some fire underneath you. I don't know if that is correct in your case, but that's how it feels for me. Like a buddy of mine loses and it just, it's just, oh, it's like, yeah, I'm going to go out there. I'm going to, I'm going to help brighten your spirits by, you know put a beating on this guy yeah you know matt uh, our guys my guys i corner all of our guys i'm the wrestling coach and uh i corner our guys but the craziest thing is is like when the fight's going on my head is like buried into leandro vieira our jiu-jitsu coach's back because i'm so freaking nervous because i'm buried my head's buried into leandro vieira's back because i'm so nervous because nothing you can really do to help them in there but advice you know so but they love having me there because I try to fire them up. But for me, there's a number of things. One, obviously, I want to go out and represent my team. You know, we've had a champion for the last, you know, Kane was champion forever. And then uh, me for the last year, Rockhold at one point. So we want to make sure our gym is still, uh, we still have a title in our gym. But also, yeah, help help to uh, just do something positive. You know, because, Matt, regardless of, of what happens in these fights, you and I both know, as long as Aljamain's going, as long as Whiteman's going, as long as Valencia's going, your team looks like it's going pretty good. You can have seven other guys that are uh, doing okay, you know, but as long as your guys, the ones that people know your gym for, are going, the gym actually, the, the morale and everything of the gym is great. You know, right now, uh, two of our bigger-name guys have gotten beat, Kane and, and Luke, and uh, now it's time for me to, to, to try and, have one of us still doing positive and winning, and that'll keep the morale up until Khabib fights again, and then Luke fights again, and then Kane fights July 9th. It's as as the team goes, as your biggest name guys go, you you and I both know that. Yeah, and you know you want to get that momentum back into your gym, and and it feels like you, you you're bringing it back when you get that victory, and you know we listen, we know the deal. We've both been in a game a while. When you win, like you feel like when your guy wins, it's like you all win. When my guys lose, yeah. they, they they come up short. Man, I'm, you're not. I'm. I'm I, I just Yo, want to go right. I want to go right sick. to the plane. I just want to go home. <laughs> I just want to. I'm I depressed. Like I get sick and go home to the hotel, <sighs> and I can't do anything. Like watching Luke lose like that made me actually sick because yeah. I care about the guy so much. Watching Velasquez lose like that, it makes me sick. Like I I, phys- I get physically sick watching my guys get beat. And then, you know, my, my guys, you know, with the way, you know, Kane's last fight, the altitude completely, like, it, it just it just yeah. messed with him so bad more than anybody could have imagined. Verdun fought great. And then Luke losing in the first round like that when he's so talented. I still to this day believe that head and shoulders above the rest is Luke and Chris Weidman. The rest of those guys are good, great fighters. But I think Luke and Chris are the, the, the standard bearers for that division. And, uh... It just sucks to see them go out like that, you know. Why was my friend, you know? So yeah. after the Luke fight, I saw I saw Marivi and I gave her a hug as yeah. she was leaving the octagon, and uh, it sucks, 
you know, those are tough situations. But, man, as you said, it's family, and we, we want to see our guys be successful. What do you make of uh, Jones' concern about Big John McCarthy? Do you have any concerns about that, and why do you think he does? No, nah, Jim, you know, I I, uh, I don't know. You know, I, I did say something about her Dean initially, the first time we were supposed to fight, and uh, it may have been a little bit uh, contradictory because when when Herb and I, when John and I fought the first time, we spent a ton of time in the clinch in the last round, and I was like, man, I should have gotten off the fence. I can't expect Herb to save me, but Herb had a, you know, he had, it had been like that a little bit where it was a lot of clinch and action was stopping. And uh, I, I filed a complaint. John did the same thing with John McCarthy this time. Uh, I think John McCarthy is a, is a guy that, that, that is a great referee. He's a guy that is kind of, he, he is in the fight. You know, like you feel like there's a third guy. Herb will get out of the way. You know, so, so in some instances, you need a ref that just stays out of the way. He's just there to protect you. But John does, he does interject himself into the fight some uh, with the open hands and, and, and certain things that Jones kind of does uh, consistently. So I guess that where, that's, that may be where his complaints come from. I'm not exactly sure. But, no, nah, I'm fine with John McCarthy. I would have been fine with Herb Dean again because as a man, when I, when I said that to Herb Dean about Herb Dean on the conference call, I will tell you, Unknowingly, I didn't. I didn't know that was going out audio to everybody. I thought it was just me talking to the commission. Right. I wasn't sure, but afterwards, because all of a sudden I saw articles everywhere, and because these guys are human beings, they're not robots. I felt the need to reach out and say, if I have a gripe, I should be able to tell it to you, Herb. So I ended up talking to Herb Dean, and he was going to get one of the commissioners on the phone so that we could discuss everything, so he could hear my complaint uh, as we went to the fight. Well, maybe we could change the ref to Mazagati. <laughs> I don't want to attack that guy. He's a nice guy. But fuck it. I'm a prick. I'm such a prick. But, uh, <laughs> but, but I, you know, I love both Herb and Big John. And uh, one time uh, in one of my fights with Chris Lytle in the finale of The Ultimate Fighter, I t- finally got Chris Lytle down, trying to chill out and take my time and pass. That Herb stood me up so fast. I really, I could have, uh, if I would have lost that fight, I probably would have never forgave him. But uh, I think both him and Big John are both great, great refs, man. You know, it's a rough, you know, fuck, it's a rough fucking job, to be honest. Shit. It's a rough job. And every, it's, all, it's all based on you, your opinion, you know. So everybody has court still. Every referee has something that they do that someone will not agree with. It's just part of the deal. You know, so uh, you just kind of you kind of settle in. Look, I was on April 23rd, and Herb Dean would have been the official, and I would have had to just nut up and deal with it. And that's exactly what Jones is going to have to do uh, on July 9th. Do you guys have any different feelings? Because Jones is saying that this is just another fight and that he doesn't hate you at all, but it seems like there's still some kind of a personal thing between you guys. Well, that'll never go away. You know, that'll never go away, but I guess with time, it lets things kind of settle a little bit, but, you know, I don't, uh, listen, my, my feelings in regards to everything are well documented, and I think they're very just, you know, being the circumstances under which, you know, John's been in trouble and the things that he has done, but at the end of the day, my job is to go get my hand raised, and now I'm in a space, like a head space where... I'm just good to go and get the job done. You know, I don't need to hate him as much as I did before. Is this a grudge match? 100%. It's a grudge match personally. It's also a grudge match in the sense of competition. Like, I need to go and get that back. I got to right the one wrong 
in my career. And I, I feel I feel unbelievably confident. I'm so sure of myself and the training and my team and the work that we put in that um, there are no doubts on our side, man. We are going into this fight much more confident than we were even the first time uh, going into the fight with Jones. Well, like you said, even even the one thing you said about uh, having uh, Kane back in the camp, I, I think that is really huge. And it's funny, though. Sometimes, like, if you don't like the guy, it, I, hate, I think hate's a strong word because people right. tell me, oh, you hate Matt Hughes. I'm like, yeah, I don't really want to hang out with the guy. But, but I mean, I did have a – I don't like the guy. So it's like whenever I had to fight a guy that I didn't – like, if I have to fight Matt Hughes or Frank Trigg, that's, I love that over fighting, like, a buddy of mine like Chris Lytle, which I had to fucking fight. Yeah. So it just – to me, it just – it, it just feels different because at the end of the day, but do you fight better or worse? Let me ask you as a non-fighter because if, are you? Did you guys ever let your anger or your dislike of a person interfere with a smarter decision just because you want to hit his face so badly? Did that the first time, Jim? Mm. I did it the first time against Jones. I fought with emotion, and you saw what it got me. The pace that we fought in the first round was so crazy fast; it's ridiculous. Yeah. It was two guys that actually wanted to fight. Yeah, Matt, I could put you and Matt Hughes on the street and say, "Okay, you two, get after it. You fight each other." You don't, you don't, you guys run into each other and you hate each other so immensely that when you see them, you guys start to fight. It does not matter that you both are professional fighters. In five minutes, you will be exhausted. You will be tired. And I think John and I did that the first time. Him a little less than me, but we just fought. And uh, I, I, can't, I can't do that. Nobody can do that for 25 minutes. So I like that it's somebody that I don't care for very much. It motivates me. It motivates me to train harder, train smarter. But, um, I'm just going to compete this time. That's why I'm my best. I've been competing my whole life. No, I, I totally, I totally hear you with that. I mean, personally, like even Matt Hughes, which is probably the guy I dislike the most. I listen. I mean, like when I'm getting ready for a fight, it it definitely motivates you. You don't want to lose to this guy. I mean, that's how I always felt uh, with the guys I do not like. I'm like, dude, I don't want to. I just don't want to lose to this fucking guy. I, I, and I and and it helps you that yep. in that case. I never want you never as a fighter. You really. You'd never want to fight with fucking too much emotion and anger. You know what I mean? Emotion could be good in the training, getting ready. But, uh, yeah, I, I always try to pride myself or pride myself with uh, how calm I could be in those situations, you know? You know, Matt, I can't. And my whole thing is, this is the thing, man. I can't sit here and say Jones can't beat me because he's done it before. Yeah. But I can say with 100% certainty, none of the other guys can. So if I don't get this done, then I could go my entire career and lose to this guy twice. And that's crazy. I can't live with that. Like, I would not be okay knowing that nobody else could get the job done, but I allowed a guy that I have the feelings that I have for getting me on two separate occasions. I can't I can't be okay with that. So, you know, yes, he can beat me because he's done it before, but nobody else in the division can. And if I fight for another three years and I lose only to him and I end my career with two losses and two losses to John, I can't feel like my, my emotionally and, and competitively, I'm not going to be okay. Was there a point in that first fight where you thought to yourself, and again, as a non-fighter, I don't know this. Is there a point where you're fighting and you go, I am losing to this guy who I dislike? Like, Or did you think that you were even through the whole thing? Or was there a moment where you're like, okay, I am losing this fight. And if I don't knock him out, I'm going to lose. Beginning of the fifth round, because my corner was going crazy. Honestly, man, they were watching the fight. And Bob Cook and I are so close. He's been my mentor and my guide in this sport, and he had never seen me, Javier Mendez, he had never seen me really take damage. I had never lost a round in fighting before I fought to Jones, and going into the fifth round uh, on the judges' scorecards, I had lost three. You know, so 
them watching the fight, they didn't see it as a competitive fight. They thought I was getting beat. I didn't necessarily feel the way, but they were watching it, but they were watching it emotionally, too. They weren't just watching it as objective as they could have been, because after we watched the videos, then you start to see times where you had more success than you thought you may have had. You could see why you may have done better in certain spots, but they were so emotional. They were telling me, you got to go take him down. You got to finish him. And that's when I was like, wow, I'm losing this fight. So starting the fifth round, I tried to go and do what they told me to do. They said to go take him down and, and try to finish him on the ground. But I ended up getting tied up again. So, yeah, that was one of those times I was like, you know, fuck, man. It's actually, it's just going bad. And, uh, got to go get a finish, you know, I got to go try to go take this guy down and finish him on the ground, couldn't get it done. Can you talk about the kickboxer you've enlisted, because you're trying to mimic John's size and reach, um, and is that helping you at all? It does, you know, I've got two really good guys in, I got Chad Lewis Perry, he, he's 6'9", he's about 280 pounds when he got here, but he's down to about 250, he really did a great job, he leaned out to make sure that he could give me more of a style uh, for Jones, because he was too big before, I couldn't really like go with him. He lost like 30 pounds to where now we can actually mimic some of the stuff that Jones does in the size. Uh, it's not so extreme. And then I brought in this guy named Frank Munoz, who's uh, 63 and 20 or something like that in kickboxing. And uh, he's actually perfect. He's 6'4". He's about 220 pounds. He kicks a lot to the body. He's a southpaw. He does everything that Jones can do, probably just a little more clean technically. I think having that guy in to do a ton of rounds of sparring, he's probably given me, over the course of this training camp, Frank's probably given me 25, 30 rounds of sparring, uh, which has been great. And uh, he's been great. You know, I think they've really helped my timing. They've helped my, uh, my defense uh, more than anything because that's going to be the key. I've never seen anybody use their elbows Lloyd Jones does. The way he, he will literally in the clinch almost throw his elbow like a punch. How, how do you combat that or how do you train to stop elbows being thrown like fists? They can land. Okay, so the elbows can land. They, you would think that a hard elbow lands. That's really not the, the most damaging punch. They just can, they can land. They just can't land like glancing because that's when they slice you up. As long as you're, you're not... If you're taking them on the uh, the forearm and, and on the elbow square or turning into them and moving, they can land. You're right. They're just like punches. The only difference is that with the elbows, if they glance you or they, they, you know, they partially miss and you catch the tip, that's when you start to get cut, and then that's when you have the real issues in the fight. But when you fight your way inside, I noticed in that first fight, I mean, the dirty boxing was, was really nice. I mean, some, I don't know if you get, we just went away from it or something. I, I don't know, maybe you had trouble fighting UAN or maybe the fatigue got to you. But I remember uh, even Ray Longo was just bringing up to me the other day. He was like, because uh, I told him I was going to talk to you. And he was saying how he was just, man, the beginning, you were fighting your way in. And you were, you know, he's talking about those first few rounds where that dirty boxing was really, you know, working out for you. That's one of my greatest weapons, you know and it's the dirty boxing, it's just the boxing. You know, I mean, height for high, I don't care how tall John is. If John and I had a boxing fight, I would beat him 10 out of 10 times. But it's not a boxing match. I'm a better boxer. I've got to be able to mix everything up. You know, I can't just stand there boxing John while he's boxing, kicking, knee, elbowing. I'm going to be kicking. I've got to be doing everything that he's doing to win this fight. You know, so, uh, yeah, working inside was, 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 I was doing a good job of landing, but... I've got to get inside without taking the damage that I was taking in the first fight. 
Fuck, oh, man, I'm pumped. Yeah, <laughs> Jimmy, I'm, I'm pumped. July 9th, obviously, uh, everyone knows. Uh, you guys are the uh, the main event at UFC 200. And it's wow. definitely, even though you guys maybe don't dislike each other as much as you did, there's certainly uh, some bad blood. And uh, I'm looking forward to this, man, and, and I hope you do really well in this fight. Thank you. I really appreciate it, man. It was, I'm glad you guys had me on. Yeah, thanks for taking the time. DC. Yeah, we appreciate I it. Appreciate it, Chan. You go back to enjoying the no award problem. show. We thought you were training. You're just relaxing actually, and singing. <laughs> actually, now I'm going to. I'm actually driving into practice. I start the bar in ten minutes. I got <laughs> Kane and I have our last uh, hard sparring today against each other, and then the rest of the time is just fine tuning the technique. So I get to go in there right now, boys. Twenty five minutes with Kane Velasquez. You tell me if that doesn't prepare you to fight John Jones. I don't think anything will. Man, well, listen, man. Best of luck. Uh, we'll be there live, and uh, I cannot wait. We'll see you out there, man. I hope you. I hope you do well, and, and I'm pulling for you to win. Thanks, Maddie. Thanks, Jim. Thank you, guys. Bye, bye. All right, DC. Now, let me just say for the record. What's that? When Jones calls in. I will be telling him I'm rooting for him as well. <laughs> I'm what's called a weasel. I think we said good luck. I don't think we said... <laughs> no, I just said I'm rooting for you to win. Oh, did you? I'm going to say the same no. thing to Jones. Why? <laughs> because they both scare the shit oh, out of me. Oh, that's hysterical, man. I'm just looking forward to a good fight, man. And and it's funny because I was thinking about the fight when I was... when and I, And then I just watched it again this morning, like I said. And I thought it was a little... I thought... It, it was closer than I thought. I mean, those first three rounds were very, very close. And again, he kind of just lost the, he fell off a little bit towards the end. So now uh, with, with, with Kane in his camp, which is definitely one of his main training partners. And, and you talked about how huge he is. Uh, he impacts his, uh, his training, his training camps in the past. Uh, fighting on the same card is more, I mean, it, it just could motivate him and, and, and the guys he's enlisting and it looks like he's having a great camp for this, man. Well, you so know what I was going to ask him, but he kind of answered it was, it seemed like at one point, because Jones took him down and he, I don't think he'd ever been taken down at that point. Yeah. It seemed like he was putting too much effort into the moral victory of taking Jones down. Yeah. Like, fuck, he took me down, now I have to. But he kind of answered that when he said that his corner told him to yeah. go out and take him down um, and finish him on the ground. So and, and, and and he also talked about the energy bar, like in a video game. And when you get a big, he, he put a lot into that takedown with Jones. And when he got it, and you, it's one thing if you get it, and then you could sit on a guy for a second and go, and fucking breathe, and then, you know, then go into what you're going into, getting position or work him over. Uh, Jones scrambled back up, if I remember. You know, that, that, that's the cutoff towards the end of my what I was watching before. But he got up pretty quickly. So uh, that sucks. Because then you just you spend all that all energy. All that energy. You spend all that energy, and then the guy gets up. And it's like, oh, you fuck. It's like spending a whole night with a girl. You take her out to dinner. You buy her drinks. You talk to her all night. And then you come in two seconds. You're like, oh, no. <laughs> yeah. Uh, <laughs> you got to look at it. I, was, <laughs> I didn't even mean during just, sex. I mean uh, just at the end of the night when you hug her. Uh, goodbye. That's how it happens for me. <laughs> <laughs> that's fucking great how how frustrating is it when i watch and, I, and it, it comes taps into that schoolyard thing of another guy being on top of you and you can't get him off you can't get up and like even for a professional fighter when they're on top of you and i watch these guys trying to get up that's just there's nothing that seems shittier to me than not being able to get off the ground yeah. when a guy's got you when you're just trying to get up and a guy's just trying to hold you down it's it's it sucks sometimes but if you're a guy, if you get a dangerous guard, a dangerous ground game, and you start getting that guy on the defense, it's going to make it easier for you to get up than just trying to get up by itself. And listen, I don't mean to make this weird. Why? Um, I don't know. We're, we're fucking weird, me I, and you. We Together, are. We are weird. But I I, uh, I spent a lot of time over the weekend while I was away. I went yes. to Orlando. I was in D.C. Oh, nice. And I thought about you and your underpants. I won't do that again. And I wanted to know if you were free balling or if you were wearing. No, I'm wearing uh, my me, me dude. Undies. I'm a, I, I, I'm wearing me undies, man. I am wearing me undies again. 
Okay, I'm not going to show them to you again. No, no, but I think we should start texting photos. Me and my MeUndies. Look what I'm wearing today, cities. Jim. Look at the way it fits. I'm wearing the blue ones. I am wearing the blue ones today. Of course. But, uh, so I requested those, I by the way. I love it, man. My kids, you know what? Freak, it freaks me out when my, my kids are like, what is like when they, they, my wife even told them like, oh, you your daddy's wearing because they call it a modone model no no the fucking models the, there's um uh, what's the italian word for modon uh, is the uh for they call it like oh they they were over my in-laws house one day and they saw my their no-no which is their grandpa no, uh, what is that what is he wearing underneath this thing what is that for they didn't think guys or, or wear underpants because they know their dad goes commando because i don't know how it came up but it came up so they, they, my point is this my kids are like real impressed that i'm wearing underwear now <laughs> Wait, uh, modal is the, uh, the the substantially sourced modal's a fabric that's twice as soft as cotton. That's what I thought you were oh, trying to say. Oh no, no, my kids wouldn't know about that. Okay, they were saying, "Oh, why is who's Mudanza those?" Then she, they're like, "No, that's no nos." And they're like, "Why? He's a boy. Why is he wearing the fucking underwear?" They didn't say the fucking part, but anyway, I hope not. long story short. I told you know in case in the first time to listen to this podcast free balling I've been free, I've been wearing no underwear for the last maybe 15 16 years and that's by the way when I signed on to this podcast I assume that's how you'd be and that went into my decision the fact that you walk around free balling yeah. I kind of like that yeah no yeah dude it's just it's just so freeing but it, that's that was the old me the new me let me tell you something the me undies are so damn comfortable are these, I, if people listen to this podcast and they did not purchase a pair of these yet and we're going to get into that in a second they have to do it because why am i so, I'm, i the only thing you can be more passionate about is maybe talking about like the eggplant rollatini or talking about like uh game of thrones game of thrones i get very nerdy and passionate about stuff i like so i mean i really do love the me on these otherwise i would just say yeah they're great they feel dude oh my balls are so comfortable you should hire sarah for a commercial like i'm matt sarah and i haven't sat on my helmet in two weeks <laughs> You know, thank God it's been held up by the MeUndies. Very comfortable. They're called the world's most comfortable underwear. Uh, I'm calling them that. Certainly are. Yeah. And and how do we get these things? Well, the shipping is free in the U.S. Oh, yes. And in Canada. I know they should just say U.S. slash Canada instead of separating them. We really are one country. And uh, you can save up to $8 a pair with the MeUndies subscription plan. You get the subscription or a single pair, get 20% off your first order when you go to MeUndies.com slash UFC. That's M-E-U-N-D-I-E-S dot com slash UFC. That's MeUndies dot com slash UFC. 20% off your first order. And I like when companies do that because that's their way of saying, we know you're going to like this stuff. Confidence. It's It's confidence. It's a fight game. It's confidence. It's confidence. So that's why I don't do well on stage because I I, I don't pitch it confidently. I'm like, look, I don't know if it'll be good. I hope it'll be good. Come if you want. And then people are like, well, fuck this guy. He's terrible. MeUndies says 20% off. We know it's good. Yes. And they're right. Anything, if they mention our names for anything, does that mean anything? Do, oh, man, do they mention Matt and Jim? You know what? That's a great question. By <laughs> my, uh, I'm, I'm bringing this up to, I'm bringing it to our producers. Like, why the fuck you got to add Let's talk to shit? the boss. Let's just talk to the boss. <laughs> We're going to mention. But anyway, fucking me on these. Get them, wear them. Jimmy, I know you're waiting for that me on these uh, fucking G-string, but that's not coming out yet. But dude, boxes, briefs, dude, wear them, get them. So comfortable on your asses. <laughs> This week, this week in UFC history. On June 28, 2006, Anderson Silva made his UFC debut against the crippler Chris Lieben at UFC Fight Night 5. The Spider quickly introduced himself to UFC fans by knocking out Lieben in just 49 seconds into the first round. Yeah. 
Four months later, Anderson Silva would become the middleweight champion, beginning a seven-year reign atop the division as one of the greatest fighters in MMA history. All right, we got Mike Judge on the phone. Mike, hey, how are you, man? Hey, I'm good. Is that Matt Serra? <laughs> no, it's Jim Norton. Um, and this is Matt Serra right here. And can I just start off? Oh, yeah. I know I'm going to be just showering you with uh, tons of uh, compliments, but uh, <laughs> not to kiss your ass right off the bat, but oh man, let me just tell you something. When I found out you were going to be on, I am the hugest, I know you, I know you heard this a million times because it's like a cult classic at this point, <laughs> Office Space. Oh my God. Anytime it's on, I just, I am just so, I just love that fucking movie. What a, like, what a perfect movie. And, and listen, there's other oh, things too, you, Idiocracy and, and uh, I, I just, it goes on and on, but oh man, Office Space. I, I know you must have just heard that so many times. <laughs> oh, thanks. That, I, I always like hearing it because it was, uh, it was very difficult to make it and Fox didn't like it. So I, I always like it when, uh, when people like it and I'm a fan of yours as well. I was, uh, I've watched the. I was addicted to the Ultimate Fighter, oh, <clears throat> and uh, that that your your season was really good. The you and Matt Hughes and <laughs> and the uh, what happened to Shoney Carter? <laughs> what happened to Shoney Carter? They, they are doing a new series, I think, about like where are they now with MMA fighters? And they did they did show oh, me. I good. know it, I know it's on UFC Fight Pass, but uh, <laughs> I did not watch it. But I now I feel bad. I'm gonna have to watch it because he's my old buddy. <laughs> My old buddy hit me with spinning back fist. But that's that's that amazes me that you even that you even watched that and uh, that you saw my season and stuff. That's amazing, bro. Yeah, I was addicted. What didn't Fox like about Office Space? It was such a funny movie. It's amazing how many really good comedies you look at, like what problems they had getting made, and how could they not have enjoyed that? Um, they just they didn't. I mean, it was I guess it was an unusual movie, and so I mean, you know, they're used to kind of big comedies that sort of hit you over the head, and this you know this was like. They were looking at the dailies and looking at the footage, and it's you know a guy going, "Yeah, if I could just get you to move your <laughs> desk," that you know it's just very <laughs> low key, and they just kept telling me, "You got to move the camera, you got to do." Oh, they, they didn't like any of the cast. They didn't. They wanted me to cast completely different people. They didn't. Uh, they didn't like the music. They didn't like oh, the gangster rap stuff. That 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 amazes and I had to fight me. Really hard for that. <clears throat> It doesn't yeah, amaze me though, because they make so many stupid decisions. That's how it is. They, like you're doing something great, and they just yeah. don't get it while you're doing it. Yeah, it's all the stuff that's that was different, and all the stuff that the fans like, and that's lasted over the years. Were all the specific things that they didn't like. <laughs> exactly. But, I you mean, you know, good. yeah. No, I, I guess they were like. I mean, it was a low budget movie, though. That's what bugged me about it. But but they, you know, I guess it was for them. It was sort of a difficult movie to market. Um, difficult to make a trailer out of they didn't know what to make of it so you know but it all worked out you did a nice <laughs> job on the animation too the um the uh, jones cormier we they, they just showed us this in studio it looks really good that was great man oh yeah that was uh <clears throat> all credit to john chris felusi i mean i'm i'm a huge ren and stimpy fan and and uh, i've known john for a long time he's actually kind of the guy who got me into watching mma from way back and he was he was, I mean, he was way into it. He was making his own, these web cartoons with George Licker, telling people to call their congressman to allow ultimate fighting. Like, oh, wow. Like way back 15 years ago. So he was that into it. Wow. He used to have guys do jujitsu in his garage with him and stuff. And yeah, and he's always, he, he animates fights really well, although it's not, not in this first short. But um, yeah, so he's always been into it. So I hooked, you know, Dana came to me and, said he wanted to do something like this, so I hooked him up with John Chris Felusi. 
It looks really good. Do you have a, a pick in, in that fight, or do you not care, or do you actually watch a lot? I watch. I watch a lot. I mean, I don't know. I mean, I'm. I'm. Uh, <clears throat> I actually grew up in Albuquerque, and uh, oh wow. Can I ask you a question I mean, about Albuquerque think, real quick know. before you go on? Yeah, I was yeah. just, I was there for uh, only the second time. It's a frightening town. Like it's really shuts down at like five p.m. It really is. It's a weird place, and it's a weird place to grow up. And um, uh, I wish I knew how to fight better because I would have had a better time there. Did but, you get beaten uh, up a lot there? I yeah, it was like you know. I mean, it was uh, especially. I mean, I'm I'm 53, so when I was in junior high, it was the peak of the Chicano power movement. And you just did not want to be a blonde haired, buck toothed white boy. <laughs> and it was, uh, but yeah, it's a, it's a weird, I mean, I, I, I still like it. I still miss it, but, but it's, it's one of the, you know, I was a touring musician for a long time and, you know, toured all over the country. And then we get to Albuquerque and everyone in the band would be going, God, this is the weirdest town in America. <laughs> you grew up here. There's an air of menace but, uh, there. There's an, it, I was uncomfortable there. Like yeah. I, it was quiet, but I'm like, something violent is going to happen to me any moment now. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I, I'm, I'm glad to hear you say that. I've, I'm, I always feel that way. And then I think maybe it's just me cause I'm a wussy, but um, no, it's like, I, I, I think it really is that way. It's a, it's kind of a, I don't know. Why? I mean, um, I think Breaking Bad was one of the first shows to get it right. Did you ever learn to fight from getting beaten up all those times? Did you ever train? No, I never did. I, I, uh, you just moved? I, <laughs> I just <laughs> moved along. <laughs> I was uh, I was into being a musician and an egghead and whatever. But, but then it, that's what's weird is, you know, there's wrestlers in my family tree. And my brother was a good wrestler, but I, I never did it. I actually, I think a big mistake was... The band director at junior high wanted took me out of PE because he wanted me to play in the other in, in the in more bands than I was in. So, but I wish I'd learned it. You know, it's never too late though. What is the because you're you're such a genius yeah. with voices and conceptualizing characters. What do you remember the first? And do you do you come up with an idea like I want to draw these things like or guys like Beavis and Butthead? I want to do this uh, animation, so I need these voices. Or do you find yourself just doing them around your house and in weird moments and go, well, fuck it, that could be something. It's a little bit of both. I mean, I actually the first thing I ever animated was called Office Space, and it was way before the movie, and it, it was uh, kind of based on a little bit based on a couple of people I had worked with at a at an office job at an engineering job actually, and and then I so I had the voice, and then I drew him. But with Beavis and Butthead, I I did the drawings first, and then just kind of looked at him and said, "What would these guys talk like?" And it's almost never one specific person. It's usually kind of an imitation of a bunch of people, but, um, I mean, Beavis and Butted in my mind was just kind of growing up in Albuquerque, you know, like that's, um, those kids kind of a sum of all the teenagers I knew. Were they all um, stoned out the kids, you know? Yeah. A lot of fry brained, uh, Albuquerque people. <laughs> um, but, uh, boy, I'm, I'm going to get my ass kicked next time I go to Albuquerque. <laughs> that's all right. You've, you've already gotten <laughs> a kick there so many times. It'll be like going home. Yeah. <laughs> And you came up with the uh, the concept for uh, Cormier versus Jones too, this animated short. Now it premieres in primetime on June the twenty eighth, uh, and it's going to be exclusively on Adult Swim. So uh, that is going to be what uh, tonight, right? Or is that what it is? Or tomorrow? Yes. Wait, wait, I don't know. It's tonight. Yeah, um, <laughs> A producer oh, shaking his head. Yes, I don't know. I, I oh, cool. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. It will be on tonight in prime time. Well, I don't know what time that it. is, but it will be on Adult Swim tonight. And this is something like: is, Did you want to before Dana came to you? Had you wanted to animate? uh ufc or had it not occurred to you 
Yeah, I'd actually wanted to. I, I wanted to animate Beavis and Butthead getting into an octagon and fighting each other. Oh. Um, and uh, it's a, an, animating fights is always really fun. And and uh, actually, if if people want to check out John Chris Falusi, uh the Ren Stimpy guy, he did something like 15 years ago. He was such a fan. He somehow convinced the Cartoon Network and Hanna Barbera to let him do his own Yogi Bear cartoon. And there's a fight between Ranger Rick and Yogi Bear that's very, I mean, there's like jujitsu. They're, they're throwing elbows. <laughs> I could, I could find that on YouTube. Where could I find one. that? Yeah, I, I think it's on there somewhere. Yeah, it's, if you look up, I think it's called Boo Boo Goes Wild. Oh, oh wow! Yeah, <laughs> sounds like if Jimmy had a fucking fighting name, the Boo Boo. Yeah, that would, I would have some kind of a pussy. A lot of these guys have very <laughs> tough nicknames. Mine would be something really uncomfortable. Fucking Boo Boo, that little warrior. That's fucking awesome, man. I'm gonna definitely check that out. That's and you created, uh, sorry, Matt, you created no. King of the Hill too. Pam Adlon is a good friend of mine. Oh, really? Oh, she's got a new show that's. I've seen the pilot. That's so good. Oh, so how you you know Pam just through comedy circles? Or we did Lucky Louie together. She played Louie's wife. Oh, oh, that's, that's right. That's right. You're in. You're in. Uh, yeah, that was great. Oh, yeah. cool. And she's also in the new series. Yeah, she's great. Her new series, I think it comes out in August or September or something. It's weird how so many times a woman plays a male voice and it seems to work. Maybe it's just when it's a younger male voice. Um, but is it which which one of the Simpson characters is played by a woman that's a male? It's Bart, no? Um, it? Nancy, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah Bart, Bart's yeah. Um, Nancy Cartwright. <laughs> is the useless Wait, knowledge? Right? Yeah, <laughs> and uh, yeah, it's actually going all the way back to um, June Foray did Rocky for Rocky and Bullwinkle, but um, yeah, Pam, Pam did, yeah, she did Bobby. She played Pam played my son, and she, uh, I think it's um, she does tons of voiceover for i mean i'll be watching cartoons with my kid or something and i'll go oh, there's pam again she she plays a a lot of little boys um, <laughs> but i think it's it's also with, with if you if you do it go that route i mean if you hire we hired a real kid one of the only male voices that i didn't do on beavis and butthead was this character Stuart, and the kid went through puberty and his voice changed and it just didn't work anymore so that's part of the reason people do that is just to, uh, I never thought just to of that. keep, keep I, the going for years. I didn't either because when you look at a kid in a show, like if you if you have if you have a recurring role in a show and it's contingent upon a little kid, you're fucked because the kid grow like in Lost. Remember Walt in season one and two of Lost, and then all of a sudden Walt was thirty three, and fucking poor old yeah. Harold Harold Perrino is now out of the series because Walt's a man with a beard. <laughs> yeah, you know, Leave It to Beaver just stopped working when Jerry Mathers was six feet tall or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, he looked that way on TV and yeah, it's, but cartoons, you can, you know, I mean, the Simpsons, I think it's the longest running show in history. Yeah. That has legs. That's for sure. But you know, sometimes they have the voices changed. Like I didn't like, I've, I've never been a big Flintstones fan. I don't know if you are. I always hated it. Um, I hate cause I hate the laugh. Track. I'm not a big Hanna-Barbera stuff. Actually. I, I, Flintstones. I'm, I like more than most of them, but, but yeah, no, I know what you mean. The new Fred, remember the sorry, new Fred, the new Fred, hey, Barney, it just didn't sound right. You're like, this is shit. Can't they get someone to do a better impression of Fred oh, than this yeah. guy? And is there any cartoons that you yeah. really did uh, that inspired you or that you're big fans of as a um, kid if you didn't like uh, Flintstones? Oh, yeah. Like, uh, I was I was a huge, uh, really all the Warner Brothers, all the Chuck Jones, Tex Avery stuff. Like, I really liked Roadrunner and Foghorn Leghorn and, <laughs> uh, you know, Bugs Bunny, all that stuff I watched oh, yeah. when I was a kid. There was a... Uh, it's also stuff that was in animation festivals that I used to love seeing that, you know, that you wouldn't really see on TV except maybe 
once a year on PBS. I mean, there was there was some cool stuff on Sesame Street actually, occasionally that because they would get independent New York animators that were that had just kind of made independent films and they'd get them to do stuff and a lot of that was was really cool. Very cool. Congratulations uh, on Silicon Valley, by the way, doing really well and everybody's saying how brilliant and funny it is. Oh, thanks. Yeah, it's uh, we're actually starting to write season four today, which is which is why I got to run in a minute here, but um. So you guys, so you guys are. Uh, I heard your podcast is doing really well. Thanks, man. This is this is our, our third yeah, episode, gotta... and I'm new. You know, Jimmy's been in like radio and everything for like ever, and he's he's taking me under his wing, and and we're having a good time so far. Are you doing any more of those uh, looking for a fight? Episodes? Oh yeah, man, that's so great. The, the uh, another episode uh, it comes out uh, tonight, I believe, which is uh, is amazing. It's gonna be episode six, and we're going to Sioux Falls. And we're camping and, and a bunch of hijinks. And we find we watched them actually really we saw some really good fights over there at the RFA out there. And uh there's some really good fights on that episode. It's it's a good one. I, that's amazing. You watched that, huh? You watched any of those episodes? That's great. I am. That's I'm amazing. hooked. I'm a big fan. So oh, thanks so much, man. And and me of yeah. yours. And really thank you for spending the time with us. We we really appreciate it. Yes, and the, uh sorry to interrupt oh, you, yeah, Mike. Sure. Cormier vs. Jones to the animated short, which was really well done, and uh it comes out tonight exclusively on Adult Swim in primetime. It doesn't give us a time, but um, you can, you guys can catch it tonight after you listen to this podcast. It will be on. Yeah, I think they'll be running it a few times. I hope so. Well, the that, short is like about a tenth, tenth of the length of our interview here. So it goes by quickly. So yes. watch it again and again. Excellent. Hey, thank you so much. Really appreciate it. It was, it was a pleasure to talk to you. Yeah, nice talking to you, man. You're a brilliant guy. Oh, thank you, man. And likewise, I'm a big fan. So, all righty. Thanks for having me. All right. Take care, Mike. Take care, Mike. All right, you too. Yeah, it's uh, it's weird how many things he's been involved with that are successful. You, you, he's just a guy. Like some guys, just have that goal. I have exactly yeah. the opposite. <laughs> like I'm a black spot on the lung of fun. You're Everything fucking... I touch fucking dies uh, on the well, vine. Well, fucking hopefully this stays alive for a while. Hey, hopefully but let this me does. let me tell you something. Remember last uh, last week you asked me like, is there anybody you ever met that your surprise knows you or anything? That that your this might have been the biggest one for me because I'm not a I'm not a I don't see a celebrity and go oh I want a picture i don't really give much of a fuck but i do not want to meet guys that i'm a big fan of with some things because i'm like ah oh, man like like say if mike judge got on the phone right there and i didn't like him at all i'd be like that's gonna almost hope doesn't ruin my office uh, space experience my idiocracy uh space experience space experience oh dude this is great this is almost as bad as the other day like, why you were good laugh I'm out louding laugh out louding i'm a fucking people are gonna realize how fucking special i am but um anyway i'm the guy that the fact that the guy even knew who i was fucking shocks me too. sure well he's a ufc fan of course he's watched yeah, all the other fighters and you know me i'm a regular guy and that's, that's amazing to me and what a fucking nice guy this fucking podcast is starting off fucking swinging. Yeah, I mean, I hope it lasts. <laughs> people, uh, people have been pretty nice. People um, listen. There's always get it. People listen. They, I mean, they, I think the bigger you get, the more fucking guys gonna come out. There gonna be some haters, but for the most part, I keep hearing good things about what the fuck's going on. Here. Yeah, I don't mind a few haters. It's except I guess in stand up, um, you know, the problem is I'm just used to dealing with them, like looking them in the face. Yeah. You know what I mean? Usually, I'm when I, I deal with haters in stand ups, you get to see them. Because yeah. they're right there. There you go. And now you don't nah. see them. Now it's like being heckled from the other room. Yeah, I'm used to that. Being a fighter, that's when they usually do it. Those fucks. <laughs> yeah, they don't do it when you're around? <laughs> Absolutely can... not, because I can get my hands on them. I, I remember one time as, as a kid, that you because um, some people will talk shit to fighters not thinking you'll do anything. I was a little kid, and uh, I remember I saw Sergeant Slaughter. My dad took me to wrestling <laughs> yeah. when I was a kid, and Sergeant Slaughter was a bad guy. 
I remember he walked by me. I'd never been that close to somebody famous. And I remember I wanted to spit in his face. And I almost spit in Sergeant Slaughter's face. Oh, because uh, he was like a bad guy on the Yeah, screen. I'm really glad I didn't, though. It probably would have been a very... I probably would have just gotten thrown out. But I kind of wish I did now. It would have been a much better story. Because this story stunk. Basically, I saw Sergeant Slaughter as my story. The end. Who gives I a look, fuck? I look at Sergeant Slaughter as the guy that ruined my fucking G.I. Joe experience. I was a kid. I used to watch fucking G.I. Joe. And fucking like the cartoon. You ever, you ever watch cartoons? Like I did when I was a kid, yes. Yeah, yeah. I used to love that shit as a kid. And then, he'd bec- then he got involved with it. you know, And he was like out of shape at the time. So they had the live action him being like tune into Joe and it fucking was ruining it for me because he they'd have him on the cartoon beating up all the special forces G.I. Joe people <laughs> really <laughs> what you thought this conversation could get fucking well fucking worse but uh yeah so they'd have him fucking all the G.I. Joe guys go to get him and he just smacks them all around he's like oh I'm a sergeant slaughter and it fucking I'm like really you're fucking taking out all the specially trained G.I. Joe special forces and this fat fuck comes in he's smacking everybody around Anyway, Jimmy, I'm back. I'm sorry to get so worked up over that. No, that's okay. Oh, we got to do a read. I don't know where the <laughs> Let's do a fucking read. <laughs> now, if you heard the show Tuesday, yes. which so many of you did, and mm-hmm. you were very positive about it, you heard us talk about our sponsor, Beat Elite. Oh, yes. We both tried it. You use it before your workouts. Um, what did you notice when you used it before your workout? Oh, man, let me, uh, first of all, the end, I'm an espresso guy. I'm a coffee guy. And I felt, an, I don't know, it made me happy. It made me I, sometimes I'm dreading to jump on the elliptical. It's a shame that I, I brag about the elliptical now because I used to run hills and now I'm on a fucking elliptical. I love I, the elliptical. It's better on your knees. Dude, no, that's what they, dude, that's what everybody says and that's what I want to say. And it's true. I fucking love that elliptical. But <laughs> it, Beat Elite makes that experience so much better, so much more fun. Beats get a really bad rap. I mean, obviously they they're a nutrition gold mine. They're rich in antioxidants. I was just saying this on a date. Um, uh, polyphenols, electrolytes, and uh, dietary nitrates. And she's like, why are you saying this? I'm like, shut up and listen! <laughs> uh, Beat Elite can help support healthy circulation. It can help promote energy, stamina, and extended exercise endurance. Kind of like you were just talking about. It's the easiest and most effective way to consume natural dietary nitrates. You mix it with four ounces of water and shoot it 30 minutes before a workout. You got to go to ufcbeats.com. They have a page set up for our listeners to save $20 off their intro pack. One canister of the Beat Elite plus a box of the sports packs plus free shipping on your order. Try it with your workout. And if you don't feel a difference the first time, they offer a 90-day money-back guarantee. That's amazing. 90 days. A 90-day money-back guarantee. And I think you can be pretty surprised. Visit UFCBeats.com. That's B-E-E-T-S. Do it today to check it out. And be sure to let us know what you think. That's UFCBeats.com. Yes, go there. This is UFC Unfiltered with Jim Norton and Matt Sira. Matt right now just shoved a piece of protein bar in his face. So Matt, go ahead. What did you do for the weekend? I love talking to people when their mouth is oh, full. Oh, man. It's come again? Is there what anything worse than having to swallow like a delicious protein bar and you just got to shove it into your face? Yeah, the problem asking is it question. wasn't fucking delicious. Was it awful? I got an organic piece of shit bar. I don't know what it was. I'm like, I, was, I had a delicious like fucking Quest bar in my hand. I go, oh, it's you the know best. What? This, this one says organic. It might be better and... I'm about to vomit. You know what else is organic? Mule shit is organic. Fucking 100% no preservatives mule shit. Yeah, have a bowl of mule shit. I mean, organic, I I don't know if organic means healthier. 
or if we just think it means healthier because you know we were told that organic means healthier. Oh, dude, I listen. Everything nowadays, gluten and this, I don't fucking know. But I have been, I've been way better. I've been, I've been getting a good routine going. It's never about me not being active. Like I'm always doing jujitsu and stuff. But I've been cleaning up my eating. I'm laughing because I've been doing the right thing. And uh, over the weekend, I had um, my uh, my cousins, my wife's first cousin, Joe. Is he's had his uh, his wedding, right? And oh man, I, again, I've been doing the right thing and I was fucking <laughs> balls deep in that eggplant rollatini. I fucking, the eggplant rollatini in cocktail hour, it doesn't get much better than that right. for me. I mean, I controlled myself. I didn't, I, I stayed away from the bread, but it, the, the worst thing is like my wife knows I like it. So it was like a long line. I'm waiting with my kids at the table. So she, I brought you back there. It's like, oh, you know, I'm trying to do the right thing. But I, then my mother-in-law comes by, you like the eggplant? I know you love the egg, and she brings me the eggplant, and oh, it's so good. I must have had fucking four, four fucking plates of that fucking eggplant rollatini. Yeah, I'm a weak man. I had a shit eating week. When I'm on the road, I can't not eat healthy. Um, I just I did this roast in D.C. on Thursday. Oh, how'd that go? It was good. It was actually surprise. We roasted James Carville, and um, who's uh, the political. Uh, pundit guy he's a very he, he, he was a, like a campaign strategist he okay. helped clinton get elected in 92 um he a weird guy kind of talk like that you know he's always just bizarre looking dude from new orleans with shitty serial killer glasses what kind of crowd is where does it take place we did it at like the that? kennedy center oh where they where, you know, where the presidents go and they do all these fucking uh, you know honorary things and they said it was the dirtiest event that had ever been held at the kennedy center the one that you did the yeah. one you just did yeah saget hosted it and saget's a dirty guy to begin yeah. with <laughs> People don't know that about Bob Saget. I've, I've heard that before in interviews that because, you know, listen, I know him from fucking people know him from Full House sure. and this and that. But they say he's a filthy comic. Which he's is, a really dirty comic. That yeah. is I think that 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 is just hysterical. He uh, so he that opens alone. it dirty. Yeah. He opened it dirty. <laughs> and then Real dirty. Just not, filthy. You know, not filthy, but dirty enough. And then he's, it was just him on stage at the Kennedy Center that he's introducing us. One by one, the roasters. And what is it? I'm sorry. How big is that? I, mean, I know it's big, but for the people, how many people is it holding? I want to say two thousand, okay, three thousand. I mean, it was right. big. It was a good size uh, event, <laughs> and it was packed. It's like giant levels. It's like a yeah. congressional hall almost. It feels very okay. legal. And uh, so he he goes out and does his thing, and then he introduces us. And I forget who else. It was a guy named Paul Begala. He's a he's a political guy. Uh, Tucker Carlson. Um, who's a political guy, CNN, yeah. a girl named, uh, a woman named S.C. Cobb, I called her a girl, uh, Carville's wife, Reverend Al Sharpton, right. uh, Jeff Ross, myself, and uh, uh, a couple other comedians. And Al Sharpton was surprisingly funny. Oh, really? Yeah, I kind of felt bad, because I've said some harsh things about Al Sharpton. And then uh, he went up at the end, he closed it out, and he was fucking hilarious. Really? Did he do a lot of... Um what, what kind of humor? What, what, what? A little bit of racial humor. Um, right. it, it was funny stuff, though. Of course, he made fun of all of us. And uh, just a guy with a really good stage presence. You know, I guess he's used to speaking under duress. You know what I mean? Like He's always talking to hostile audiences, so for him to just do some jokes at a roast was probably nothing. He's skinny now. He's really, yeah, well, that was pointed out. Uh, yeah. Quite, yeah. yeah. Somebody had a really funny line. They said, it looks like this Al Sharpton forgot to water the old Al Sharpton. <laughs> so that was really hilarious. Um, so it was a great event, and uh, it went over really well. It was quite dirty, and Carville enjoyed it, and his wife enjoyed it. And um, I, they, I got quoted as the meanest joke of the night. Okay, oh, can I hear that? Because uh, I said something about his wife, um, Mary <laughs> Madeline, which is, uh, you know, she's a political strategist for the conservatives. Okay. So I said, you know, um, 
Um, I, I forget how I said it. I said, you know, opposites attract. Uh, they don't have anything in common except they both like to fuck ugly people. And then oh, I smashed her appearance too. Oh, that's fucking good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I said she looked like uh, Caitlyn Jenner who wants to go back to being Bruce. <laughs> give her a good beating. And uh, the crowd groaned at that a little bit. Oh, come on. Yeah. But it was fun. Yeah, that's what a roast is. You shit on him. And, and oh, he enjoyed man. it and she enjoyed it. And we all, we all had a good time. So then I ate like shit afterwards. I just started... Uh, I don't know why I think like it doesn't count if I'm away from New York. Nah, dude, what a that's, fucking fat well, away. You, you like. know what, about the roast though, really quick. You know what I noticed is like um, it's it, it, it. You have to have thick skin, but it, a lot of it's a lot of it's got a lot of some truth to it. With each thing, there's some truth to something. So the people are laughing, and I see some of these comedians like. Like, I don't know, I, you know, I watch whatever ones are on Comedy Central and this and that, and, and they just, oh, like, you see some people laughing, like, ah, and you know that they, they, it cuts. It cuts a little bit. It has to. It depends on what, if, that's why they say that you roast the ones you love, because if it's coming from a guy you like, yeah. like, I've roasted Friends. I've roasted uh, Patrice O'Neill. I've roasted, you know, roasted Rich Voss, a manager named Barry Katz. Roasted Saget for Comedy Central. Yeah. A lot of good. I roasted Gene Simmons for, uh... Family Jewels. Jeff Ross called me years ago, and he knows I'm a big Kiss fan. Yeah. And he goes, "You want to roast Gene Simmons?" But a few things I said were, I think, kind of mean. And Gene got like really like defensive. Oh, really? But I didn't mean it. Like I, I like to me, if I'm going to honor a guy I yeah. love, I have to honor him by you know. It's almost like if you're training somebody in jujitsu, you're not going to train them in a pussy. You're going to train them for real. Yeah. So if I'm going to roast a guy, I'm going to roast him for real. You love him though. I don't know. Who knows if he loves you that much? He does now, but at that yeah. point, I think he didn't know me that well. Now, oh, so now you're closer. It would have made more sense now. Right or wrong? Yeah, it, it, it's kind of like getting to know someone who's committed a home invasion on you. That's what it's like if you don't know someone roasting you and then you talk to them afterwards. Yeah, it's like an assault. It was in a way, yeah. Also, besides, uh, I know you're a fan much like myself. Uh, dude, f come on, really quick. The last two episodes, let's talk about that. Game of Thrones. Battle of the Bastards. Have you seen it? I, I, I've seen the... I'm caught up totally. You're so if you're a Game of Thrones fan, we're going to wreck a few oh, things. You, spoiler alert. So we'll mark this. Yeah. <laughs> spoiler alert. Yeah, you got to tell people. Because yeah. people are all doing them on season two. Yeah, yeah. Listen, don't tune out. Just just man up and listen. But uh, let me tell you something. The, first of all, the Battle of the Bastards, the one right before the season finale, which was the other night. It was that. The, first of all, the stuff with uh, Daenerys in the beginning with the dragons, fucking money, better than anything that you could see. Wait, what was happening with the dragons? I don't well, remember. Basically, the uh, the masters were coming back, the fucking saying, "Oh, oh yeah. we're running this shit," and the three guys going up, like, "Look, listen, you better, you know, you, you're gonna get out of here. You're a beggar queen or whatever." And she she fucking went in there, just fucking guns blazing, dragons just. She jumped on the fucking Drago's. Uh, Drago, Drago. It's my buddy from Long Island. Drago. No, Drogo. Whatever the fuck. No, what the fuck is the big dragon? You know name? what the dragon's name is? No, you leave me alone and let me I'm play. Yeah, I know who she is. She's just a Listen. blonde. I want to fuck. How do you know the dragon's uh, name? Fuck, I know, dude, because I'm a fucking sad person and I know all of it. <laughs> I read five books in my life. It's Game of Thrones. Oh, <laughs> you read them? I read them. Oh, I'm a fucking right. nerd with this, Jimmy. Uh, you know what it is? I saw this. Is what I did. I saw the first episode of the very first season. And I was like, I scored like the half of it. I'm like, oh, what is it? A kid getting thrown out the window? And I'm like, oh, that's what won me over. <laughs> that's what won you over. Yes. That, like, that almost made me not even watch it again. I'm like, what? This is fucking disturbing. And I got kids. And then I, I gave it another shot because people like just talking about it. And then boom, just like the eggplant rollatini, I'm balls deep. But don't you lose your pl it. I still, I don't know what the fuck they're doing. I know no, that Winterfell has no, no, no. been captured. This one's doing no. that. You do watch? Are you, are you watching? Every week I watch it. I'm lost. Every week. <laughs> Not me, not me. I'm a nerd with that. I'm stuff. like fucking Rain Man with the I, toast burning, dude. I'm just fucking, fucking banging my 
head into the screen door. I don't know who this one is. Baby in the tub. Baby in the tub. Hey, where's that one with the big clit? Oh, she was decapitated last week. Which dragon is that? I don't know. Anyway, fucking she. Anyway, she. At the beginning of the episode. Of the, she's jumping on the dragons and she's fucking yeah. fucking shit up and that I don't right. know now she's got the fucking Dothraki that's the guys on the horse I'm yes. like, people want to know this and then you got the unsullied that's the the badasses but they have no cocks because they're all fucking the what the bad unsullied unsullied call them hold on what are, <laughs> I, did you say the unsullied I did not I did not fucking, did he say no, that no Chris don't that's jive. the don't greatest Chris. the unsullied they're producer are you serious did I really say that my unsullied. god the unsullied unsullied oh. the, they're badasses they, 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 they don't need cocks they're so bad and uh so that listen. guy's beginning to annoy me by the way the main unsullied guy who looks like fucking Mariano Rivera because <laughs> he guy? spoke no English he has no dick now all of a sudden he's speaking the king's English and he's strategizing having yeah. tea with Peter Dinklage yeah, I fucking know he's telling him it. you had your chance my yeah. Yeah. I know you sit there, but anyway, Peter Dinklage is fucking money. Always, always I like money. him. It was funny when he knelt, though. It's like you didn't need to. You <laughs> fucking knelt. <laughs> you didn't need I fucking to. Love that guy, short, witty. I mean, we do. We should both love that guy. Yeah. But uh, anyway, then they got to my favorite, obviously, with Jon Snow. You know, who Jon Snow. I is, do. Yes. yes. And he's battling the fucking the the fight, just the whole fucking thing. I would put that fight scene in the Battle of the Bastards, the the whole fucking the battle scene with Jon Snow and the fucking Wildlands versus the Boltons. I put that versus any fucking thing you could show me in Hollywood. Lord of the Rings, fucking eat a cock, fucking uh, what else? Fucking Gladiator, Braveheart. Put it up with Saving Private Ryan there. was pretty good. That uh, fucking uh, battle uh, scene was. Oh, you're just talking about like uh, fiction. Yeah, we're talking about okay. some fiction. I'm mentioning shit real right shit. You're mentioning fucking. What are you gonna bring up, Dave? Fuck. Uh, what's up next? Full Metal Jacket. It's a different type of thing. You know what I mean with the medieval type shit. Yeah. Money, bro. Isn't it sad how excited I get about Game of Thrones? No, I think it's good. I mean, I typically. I fucking enjoy it, man. It's fucking great. Go I on. don't typically like that stuff either. I don't like f- uh, uh, fantasy yeah, stuff because it's never the fantasies I have. You know, my fantasies are much different than well, some I, lady with a dragon. I would think that you'd be a big fan of Game of Thrones just from all the fucking boobies and everything in the fucking, there's a lot of fun. No, that's why I'm a fan of Caligula. Like, that's the type of, like, fantasy, like, you know, period piece I like. You know, yeah. you know fucking dipping his fist in lard. That's entertainment. <laughs> you know, uh, but I do like Game of Thrones a lot. I just keep getting lost and I yeah. don't know what's happening. And I'm, I, I I watch it every week. I've actually rewatched season one and two. Yeah, I fucking, I could, I could marathon that. They cheese dicked right it up this, on this final episode, though. What do you mean? Because Let's the way, about the final episode. The way Cersei got and killed all these. She got rid of the, the you know, Marjorie. Oh, she got rid of it. Money? No, no, you didn't like that. Why? No, she blew them up with green goop. No, the green, the wildfire. That shit. Wildfire. That's right. I don't know. Uh, the wildfire is that shit that they had. They use that that fucking. Yes. Are you sure you don't mean <laughs> they the use that shit to get Stannis out of there? The fucking yeah. And, and it was fucking. It's a crazy fucking thing. I thought it was fucking. I, you knew something was going down. And like Marjorie, the fucking queen, the other one, the one that the queen that was there. The, the, what about our poor fucking brother? The guy fucking, what the fuck's his name? The Lord of Flowers, whatever the fuck the guy's name is. Anyway, he that guy gets something caught. He's, he's fucking held prisoner. He's fucking Loris, his name is. And they fucking got a, he, he fucking has to say that he sleeps with dudes and this and that. He kind of had to fucking fess up for everything, his sins. Then they carve a fucking pentagon or whatever it is. Dude, Pentagram. That's what I meant. <laughs> They carved a pentagon. They did. No, you're right. Absolutely. Oh shit! And he's got the oh, fucking capital on, building on. on his head. Oh, dude, I get I get fucking lightheaded. I might pass out on air one day. I fucking 
the fucking pentagram. Yes. They fucking carve it into his fucking head. Detailed. He's sitting there all miserable, and then the motherfucker gets blown up. That's why now, they just dicked it up. Yeah. No, it was fucking great. It was they didn't fast. let them out. Well, I mean, what did you want to happen? They just more like like the guy who is the head. The mountain can't be raping everybody to death like in the fucking. <laughs> That's true. Yeah, he was a rough one. That ah, fuck, man. That fucking bitch got it. That fucking. The nun. Well, the nun chick, she got it bad, man. She's like, oh, I'm ready to die. She's like, oh, Cersei's like that. And she's like, oh, fuck. No, 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 no. You're staying alive a while. This guy's going to be fucking mounting you every which way. The mounting will be mounting you every which way. There should have been more of a payoff like. Like that guy was so hateable. The guy, that religious guy, whatever his name was, he was oh, in Glenn yeah, Gary, Glenn fucking... Ross, by the way. Uh, do you remember Glenn Gary, Glenn <laughs> Ross, Al Pacino? He was the guy. I didn't see that's that. Like, I, oh. I seen everything. I've not seen that. He was in that, and uh, I just thought there should have been a better payoff. But whatever. I mean, for those that didn't watch oh, Game of Thrones, God. they have no idea what we're talking about. Uh, well, that's that's there. They got a fucking. They they better stop getting on board because I like talking about. That they canceled shit. vinyl. Did you like vinyl? I only saw the first couple because I'm, I'm friends with Dice. And uh, he was in the pilot episode, which was like, or the first episode, was a two-hour episode. What is that vinyl? It was about the record industry in the 70s. Bobby Cannavale, Ray Romano was really good in that. Oh, wow. And Dice Clay is in, in only the first one, and he plays like a radio uh, guy, who a radio station owner, and he wants, uh, you know, the, the, these guys want to get their stuff played on his radio station. So he's a bit obnoxious. He's yeah. doing coke. And uh, he tries to fucking make out with Bobby Cannavale, and they kill him. It's so fucking good. It's good. It's yeah, well, it's gone already. You said. Yeah, Mick Jagger was involved with it, and, and Martin Scorsese. And matter of fact, when what I was, was this on what, what, HBO, oh, when I was shooting Trainwreck, I did a scene for Trainwreck, oh. which was deleted, uh, which is why the film made a hundred million dollars because they put the cancer in it, and then they removed the cancer, and the film <laughs> did well. Uh, we were shooting outside. I had to chase uh. Amy Schumer and Bill Hader. I played oh, a carriage shit. driver. Yeah. I had to chase them down Park Avenue, uh, not Park Avenue, sorry, uh, Central Park, you know, uh, you know, in the 50s, right, Columbus Circle. And I'm screaming at 3 o'clock in the morning. I'm chasing them. They, I, they steal my horse and carriage. And I'm like, get back my fucking horse! My fucking horse! I'm yelling this at 3 o'clock in the morning on Central Park West. And um, we do this scene this probably 20 times. train wreck. Yes. And uh, it, it doesn't make the final cut oh. because Judd's films are too long and they had to cut something. And they're also like, well, Bill Hader's a doctor. I don't know if a doctor would steal a horse. They didn't yeah. felt that it was believable that Bill Hader. Anyway, so while we were doing that, Scorsese was shooting vinyl. And the lights that Judd Apatow was using were interfering with Marty's lights. And so they asked us, can we, we stop shooting? So we had to stop shooting for a couple hours while Scorsese... I mean that's you know that's a big dick when you can have Judd yeah. Apatow stop filming outside in Columbus Circle, uh, that's that's a big dick for a director to have. I saw that train wreck. Yeah, your buddies with Colin Quinn though. I am yes. I, I'll tell you the I think the I believe the funniest part of that movie. I like the movie. It's fun. Uh, Might have been his speech to the fucking about monotony, mon- motherfucker. No, you had it. You had it. Did I say it right? Yes. Don't fuck with. Me. I'm not. You said it right. No, I didn't, motherfucker. Don't fuck with me. Okay, what'd you say? No, no, you can fuck with me all you want. I'm not oh. saying it like that. What'd you say? Fucking monotony. Mon- I'm going to start barking. Every time I fuck up with a word, Chris's eardrums, my producer is going to be fucking, his head is going to be popping. It's good. It happens. Don't worry about it. Let me try it again. Monotony. not going to work here anymore anyway. Yes, you are. Say it for me. Say it for me. Monotony. That's what I said. You're wrong. It's monogamy. Uh, fuck you. <laughs> 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 when he gave the speech about that. <laughs> oh, fuck it. I'm going to start. I got, I'm fucking horrible. I'm well, horrible. Awesome. I, 
You know what's fun? It's fun that I know. You do. You almost spit out your fucking lemon fucking ginger juice over there. What yeah, are you drinking? This really is a fucking awful looking beverage. Let me tell you something, man. That might look like acai, but it fucking, I'm sure it doesn't taste like it. You I don't need acai. No. Acai's fun. I don't know. Tasty. I don't fuck with it. I'm a big fan. This is, yeah. I, mean, I believe you. All right. Is that it? Are we done? I think we are. I think we're fucking done, man. I had such a good time. But Jimmy, I'm really having a good time, dude. I am I don't, don't lie to me. Like It's like one of those dates where you're like, oh, I had fun tonight. Are you having fun? I'm fucking you twice a week. I love it. You're the best date. Really strange. You're an awesome date. We had such a twice good time. a week, and we both put out. Yeah, uh, dude, we're, we're, it's, it's a fucking. I don't even know what to say to. Well, you know what it is. I think we're both weird in our own way, and I think that um, to quote the great movie Hellboy, sometimes all us freaks have are each other. Yeah, I don't function as well with people who are completely traditional thinking because they find me irritating. I, you know, guys who think alike, it's it's more fun. Yeah, I'm not afraid I'm going to say something stupid. Yeah, yeah, dude. Oh, yeah. Why? What made you more comfortable with that? The fact that I can't pronounce fucking anything? I like that. Holy you. shit, man. Today might have been a record. I fucking... I, I, the similarity. I don't, what the fuck is the... I'm, I'm, dude, I... I have such issues. My first grader, uh, my oldest, my firstborn, she's just all the time like, Daddy, I don't think it's spelt like that. I don't think it sounds like that. I mean, I, I got issues, man. Well, you know, look, at least you're you're successful. You're not unsullied. I think that's really important. Did I, did I really say unsullied? You certainly did. Unsullied. 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 Right, unsullied. Oh, unsullied. Fuck, man. All right, we're out of here. Yes, tune oh, in again. Oh, I'm sorry. Wait a second. What? Big news. Tonight. Fucking tonight, go on YouTube and watch Dana White looking for a fight. Oh. Uh, me and uh, me and Dana and uh, the tooth, we go to fucking um, where do we fucking go? We go to Sioux Falls. Oh, Sioux Falls, and we're fucking camping and fucking canoeing and fucking eating pheasant. Oh, it's such a good time. I mean, and then, oh, not to mention we fucking see some excellent fights. That's probably the most important part. Yeah. Who gives a fuck about me? It's funny that you like the camping and the marshmallows. Oh, oh, <laughs> dude, can we make a s'mores? It's such a good time. Dana White looking for a fight that comes out tonight. Make sure you watch that shit, motherfuckers. And thank you to Mike Judge and thank you to uh, DC Daniel Cormier taking time out of his training to call us and talk to us. Excellent. And that was and fun hearing his kids act up in the back. I, I'm so I, <laughs> I I felt right at home with that. Trust me. But uh, thank you, Jimmy. Thank you, buddy. This has been a digital media production. Find your voice. You might be right. It's simple, but something you almost never hear in politics today, with each side more concerned about scoring political points than solving problems. I'm Bill Haslam, a Republican. And I'm Phil Bredesen, a Democrat. We're former Tennessee governors, and we invite you to listen to our podcast, You Might Be Right. Join us and guests like Al Gore, Paul Ryan, Judy Woodruff, as we take on important issues facing our country. Listen and subscribe to You Might Be Right, a new podcast from the Baker School at the University of Tennessee. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every basket, every game, every point, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a three-pointer at the buzzer to tie the game or a player that goes two for two at the foul line. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only. Must be present in Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply.